Absolute Geek Podcast. It is Sunday morning in Phoenix, and you're listening to the Absolute Geek Podcast. My name is Matt. Now, if you were tuning into this podcast expecting a new episode of What the Fuck Friday, I do have to apologize, but there will be no new What the Fuck Friday episode this week because we've been busy covering the amazing Arizona Comic Con that's been taking place uh, in downtown Phoenix, February 12th through the 14th. So that's been Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm actually recording this episode prior to heading down to the convention for the final day of coverage and festivities. But we wanted to make sure we got something out for you to help you through those Monday blues, whether it's sitting in traffic on your way to and from work, uh, working out in the gym, or just looking over that mound of of reports you got on your desk that you have to get through. I'm glad that we could help you out with that. Now, with this being said, I want to say that through this podcast, we've gotten to experience many great things over the year. Indirectly, but almost directly because of this podcast, I got to meet one of my idols in Kevin Smith outside the Tempe Improv last year. I got to talk to him, kind of pick his brain a little bit about podcasting. He did an intro for us, and that was something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, Because of the show, we got to go to the Stanley Kamikaze. Jose got to meet Tommy Wiseau, (coughs) catch a football from him, get an autograph. I'm sure that's something that Jose will remember for the rest of his life. But because of you... Our listeners, because you were loyal, because you come every episode, you like, you subscribe, you listen, you review, we got the opportunity from the amazing Arizona Comic Convention to sit in on a roundtable, a media-only roundtable interview with Ninja Turtles creator Kevin Eastman. Now, there's about eight to ten other media outlets there. Um, It was a small, very, very small, intimate uh, round table. And when we got this option, opportunity, I should say, uh, when I got the email, there was nobody in my mind who I wanted to do cover this more than Kyle. Um, I'm a huge Turtles fan. I've been a Turtles fan since the late 80s, 90s, you know, the original comic series, the original cartoons, I had all the action figures, the original movies, all of it. And I know Kyle was the same way. Uh, when I got this opportunity, like I said, there's nobody in my mind that was going to do this other than Kyle. Um, I'm glad that he got to partake in it. I'm glad that he enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, he actually, funny story, sent me a message after he got done with this, and he was like, dude, Matt, that was an amazing experience. So I'm glad that because of this podcast and because of our listeners and our f- supporters and fans, we got this opportunity, and I want to say thank you for that, and I know Kyle thanks you, and I know Jose thanks you for everything that you guys do for us by just simply listening to us babble like idiots for an hour or listening to us be opinionated on comic book reviews and things like that, or delivering the the most recent events in pop culture, depending on whatever show you listen to. We just want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. And because of all of you, we've gotten to experience many great things in such a small amount of time. So with that being said, I'm going to kick it off to Kyle and in the round table with Kevin Eastman. I hope you guys enjoy and we will see you uh, after the interview. Morning, how are you? Nice to see you. Hey, nice to see you. Hi. 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 Nice to meet you. Hi. 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 Good morning. 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 Yeah, right. Good to see you. How's it going? Good. Some of you guys look familiar. Good to see you. Good to meet you. Cheers. Good to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. How's it going? Pleasure. Does this microphone work? Is this illusion? What's going to be easy for you guys? I think if, you, if that works, yeah. then you don't have to yell. 
So yeah, let's get started. Um, like uh, my wife said, it's like a lot of times there are similar questions, so sometimes we can answer those. You know, somebody that something you might ask, maybe something somebody else has asked, that you can add to your own specific questions, and we get some photos and stuff at the end. Whatever you guys need. So start with you. Thank you. We had uh, actually a uh, reader wanted me to ask you: Have you seen the new film? What are your thoughts on it? And what do you what are your expectations for the next one? Uh, I haven't seen much of the new film. A lot of the stuff I've seen is probably the same stuff you guys have seen on Yahoo and, and that kind of stuff. I did have a couple early meetings with uh, director David Green. Um, fantastic kid. He actually reminded me of um, a guy named Cyril Neely, who's uh, the executive producer and head creative for uh, the Nickelodeon cartoon show. And that um, Cyril grew up as a big fan of Turtles. David grew up as a big fan of Turtles. So I think he really put his heart and soul uh, into the project. Uh, we are supposed to have a private screening of it in January. Uh, we're still waiting to, to see it, but um, yeah, from what I've read and what I've seen, I think it looks pretty awesome. I think it's gonna be either a little bit more passionate um, in its intent and, and probably a little bit more truer to the original characters than the, than the first film was, which you know, that would be next fan review, so. Cool, thanks. Deadpool, you have a question? Uh, yeah, I want to see. Awesome movie, I saw that actually, uh, we saw that Thursday night, it's freaking awesome. Did you guys see it yet? Yeah. Not yet. Oh, no. Go now, see it <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of those things that I, I think I watched happen with my jaw hanging in you know, my lap, it was like, oh my god, they did go there, and they did, and then they went further. <laughs> but what a fantastic vision. Yeah, yeah they, oh, I saw with uh, Rob Liefeld, um, the Rob Liefeld experience. Rob so, um, how do you feel about the uh, evolution of the Ninja Turtles? Uh, from the you know, original creation um, early on to you know the, the 90s and then the early 2000s, mid 2000s to, to now uh, with the new movies. Well, it's it's been fascinating. Uh, you know, I guess much like if you look at a lot of other parallels um, in comics, um, you know, uh, you know, Captain America, Avengers, um, you know, the things that um, we grew up reading as comic books, and then as we saw them grow into different forms of, of entertainment. Um, Cartoon shows, some more more successful, some less successful. What's been so great about the Renaissance, I guess, over the last eight to nine years, maybe ten years, is that technology is caught up with um, the kinds of material that would come out of artists' heads that would they do in comic books. So you can literally bring to the big screen. I mean, I mean, my goodness, when I saw Avengers, it was like the perfect superhero movie. You know, the first one, um, actually both of them, because you actually, you know, uh, could believe. Everything you used to read when you were going kid, growing up as a kid, stuff you loved about comic books now can be brought to life as a as a full as a full feature. Um, so with the turtles, we've seen 
you know, different variations, not only in the comic books, but in cartoons and some of the movies. And I love them all, um, even the Venus de Milo series, which I know everybody hates. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, there's some that I like more, there's some that I like less, but uh, especially in the early days, Peter and I worked on, you know, all 300 cartoon episodes. We worked on all the movies. We had full approval over pretty much everything that was done with the Turtles for 20, 25 years. Um, so yeah, it was, it's been fun, it's been an awesome ride, and it's, it's neat to see, you know, uh, different artist visions and different, you know, what they, what they see in our characters and what they do with them. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been pretty cool. I've enjoyed them all. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Um, what do you think the one thing about the Turtles is that's given them the ability to cross over, um, basically generation to generation, because they've been around since I was a kid. I'm in my 30s now, so I remember when I was watching them as a cartoon, mm -hmm. and they're still, if not as popular, more popular now. Well, first, thanks, and, and two, that's what's mind-blowing to me. I mean, you know, I think back when Pete and I did the first issue of the Turtles, we were, you know, pretty sure that we wouldn't sell a single copy. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that it actually worked and continued to grow, uh, to grow as a series, and, you know, in the early days, we used to think, like, well, the title was the first thing people picked it up. They saw the title, it was sort of, what the hell is this? Uh, after they picked it up, it was um, if they they loved, they fell in love with it. They kept it. If they didn't, they put it back. Um, but somehow it, it seemed to click. And there's you know there's a lot of familiarity. Um, you know when we did the first issue, we put a lot of everything that we grew up reading and loving about comic books into the turtles. I mean you know superhero group, if you will. You know like if you're talking X Men, Avengers, there's different personalities and they all kind of uh, gel together and give different perspectives when they characters to an adventure. Which I think resonates to, you know, I don't care if you work at, you know, uh, uh, Starbucks or Burger King or, you know, I worked in a pizza place when I was growing up. Your friends end up being this mix of people that, you know, you have the leader type, you have the funny one, you have the, um, you know, the kind of the techno geek. And so I think a lot of people could relate to it, you know, relate to a different character, much like, you know, I'm like, you know, this character in the X-Men or I'm like this character in the Avengers, um, but I think with the Turtles, um, because they weren't, you know, of any specific, you know, you know, black, white, uh, Asian, uh, Latino, anything, they were just these dream mutant teenagers who wanted to be teenagers first, that I think it allowed more people to identify with them, you know, worldwide. And so I think they feel like they weren't alienated in any way. It was like, well, I can be a dream mutant and uh, uh, pick your favorite one. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty amazing thing um, in that, you know, the fact that I worked as a comic book the first time, went out there, you know, because, I mean, I think at the top of the sales of the comics, it was like 100,000 copies. It was huge uh, in comics. And then when it went as a cartoon show and it sort of caught on with this, with, you know, kids like yourself at that time, suddenly it's reaching millions of people and people still finding something interesting about it and they're attracted to it and, and still, you know, fond of it, the movies and all that stuff. So the fact that it worked in all those, different places in the early days was, you know, mind-blowing, humbling, amazing, you couldn't believe it, it was just fantastic, what, what the whole thing that, that happened, and then it just didn't stop, it just kept going. I mean, our licensing agent back in the day said, you know, when it, as we went out with the turtle, he said, well, if this works, you know, the first year you have like an introductory year to your characters, and if fans like it, then you have a second year, probably a more popular year, you know, selling toys and cartoons and that kind of stuff, and then the third year, you're in the discount bins, and, it's all over, um, but it's been a great ride, so save your money, <laughs> save your money. <laughs> and now here we are, you know, um, when I go to shows now, it's like, there's a whole other new audience of kids, not only 
you know, here in the States, but around the world, that discovered the turtles and have somehow fallen in love with, you know, what aspect they found interesting uh, in them. And that's even more mind-blowing. It's like, kind of stuff, like, wow. Um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing, so. Thank you. But, and, you know, what it is about them that made them, people like them, you know, I almost asked you, and thank you again. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here 31 years later still talking about turtles. And <laughs> yes, sir. I've uh, kind of got two questions, if that's sure. okay. One should be pretty quick. Um, with the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle crossover going on right now, kind of got me thinking, um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but how do you feel when an, another artist or another storyteller kind of takes on your work? Like, I, do you get jealous? Like, do you, oh, that was a great story. Like, I wish I would have thought of that. Or <laughs> why did he go in that direction? Um, well, it was a really good idea. I usually just steal credit and say it was my idea. <laughs> so, no, that's what's been, you know, again, growing up um, as a big fan of comic books, you think about, you know, when I was reading, you know, Captain America or, or, or X-Men or something, there were, you know, certain art teams that were, um, you know, writer artist team that was really good. You liked that run, and then maybe the next team that came on, you didn't like them as much. Um, I mean, even, you know, Daredevil's a great example is, um, you know, Bob Brown, Gene Cullen, a lot of people I was reading because I read Daredevil since I was, was very young and then you know, I remember Daredevil 158 when when this new penciler came on board named Frank Miller and by the first issue you go hey this guy's all right he's pretty good and then you know we like all of us we were completely blown away for the next 30 issues and it was it was fantastic so I love that kind of vision um, that different artists and creative teams bring to characters that I enjoyed reading and then I found the same enjoyment when um, different people come on to the Turtles. Um, this happened very early on, even in the comic books. We had a studio of guys, and we had friends in the business from you know, Stan Sakai to Michael Zuli, Michael Dooney, those guys that had, you know, would sit in these creative brainstorming meetings um, and then pitch an idea of how about if we do this with the Turtles or that with the Turtles. Um, and they would see other things in the characters that we didn't even see and say, well, what if Donatello's more like this? I'm like, yeah, oh, that makes sense. And that was around the time we were working on the <clears throat> you know, the cartoon show and stuff like that. So, you know, so we started to see, you know, the core story, which is based on, I guess Peter and I did 15 issues, 16 issues, and that was sort of what we call the foundation and everything else has got a, been a springboard from there to, you know, whether you're talking movies, cartoons, um, other comic stories. So I find them fascinating. And, and some are, you know, really good and some are really goofy, and, 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 but, you know, all of them are a lot of fun, enjoyable for, for me. And one last one. Um, this is from my nephew. Mm -hmm. He told him I was going to meet you. So, um, he said, why turtles? <laughs> and just, you know, it could have been, you know, honestly, it could have been anything. But I think it was, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Maine. And my grandmother used to live on the lake. And there was, you know, turtles um, in and around the lake. And snappy turtles we used to play with them. And I, I don't know, turtles are just a, a funny animal, if you will. And it sort of came together when Pete and I were in a, Studio Mirage Studios. It wasn't even a studio; it was our living room in Dover, New Hampshire. And I was a big fan of Bruce Lee. And you know, late one night, trying to make Pete laugh, I you know, said, "Well, if Bruce Lee was an animal, what would be the absolutely silliest, stupidest animal that Bruce Lee would be?" And it just turtle was the first thing that popped into my head. My head. And this, you know, fast-moving martial artist as a slow-moving turtle it just seemed to be naturally funny, and I got the laugh out of out of Pete that I wanted. And, uh, you know, a bunch of drawings swapped. You know, the next day, you know, we had this finished drawing of all four turtles with different weapons. Um, I called them Ninja Turtles. He had a Teenage Mutant. Uh, and from there, it was like, okay, 
we don't have any distracting pain work or anything else going on. Let's try to come up with a, a story that tells how these characters got to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Again, it was, um, you know, we submitted a lot of stuff for um, trying to get work for Marvel, DC, and other comic book companies and stacks of rejection letters. And so this one, we just said, we're going to write this one for ourselves and keep it for ourselves. And if nobody buys it, we're still going to have a really good time doing it do exactly the kind of comic we'd like to like to read. Short 32 years later, here I am. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um, how do you feel about like being part of so many lives and generations, like people's childhood, and then the children coming up now that are having like the new rendition of the turtles? Like, how are you able to like put that feeling into words? Like, how how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, not worthy, humbling, um, mind-blowing, uh, incredibly awesome. It really is, you know, I think, like, <clears throat> you know, and even, like, the mutant part of Turtles, um, I think, came from Planet of the Apes. That was the first movie I ever saw in the, in the movie theater. Um, and Jack Kirby's Commandy, which was one of my favorites. And I think about, um, my perspective is I think about all the people that inspired me, especially Jack Kirby, inspired me to draw. And you know the comics that I loved growing up, and still are very important to me as you know as comics and and, and, and characters. Uh, I know how much it means um, to me. And so when somebody comes to me and says, you know, uh, I've grown up on the turtles. I love the turtles. You know how much they meant to me. I, I actually I do. You know because what you're saying to me is just like it's like holy shit. You know it's like you feel the same way I do about characters that I've grown up with. And and that's when it's like oh man I'm not worthy. It's like I've only we've only been doing this 32 years and what's Batman's what 80 years old and Superman's 75 or 80 something more I think um, so it's it's um, it's a real honor it's, a real, it's, it's incredibly cool and that's what I kind of touched on a little earlier was you know the fact that it worked as a comic book was crazy the fact that it worked as a cartoon show the first time around and not only worked here in the United States but was you know would go to different countries for promotional tours or different things and as people like couldn't you know, didn't speak English, you know, it was translated, of course, that's still, you know, in a different culture, in a different country, in a different place, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away, and you're still found something they loved in the Turtles. That was even crazier, you know, like, holy shit. Um, and the first time I went to Paris, I remember standing in front of the Eiffel Tower, made at the Eiffel Tower, and right there was a, a poster for the Turtles' first movie, and it's like, this is something wrong. <laughs> Seriously. Um, um, but now these days, it's, um, you know, the kids have come up that have discovered it, sharing has become generational, that's even crazy, because you can't tell, you know, you couldn't tell me when I was a kid what was cool and what was not. You can't tell kids today what's cool and what's not. They'll tell you what they like and what they don't like. And the fact that they found something in the turtles they like, you know, all these years later, it's it's like, holy shit, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Awesome, thank you. Beyond cool. Yes, sir. Um, after that third uh, original movie, did you ever think that they'd ever return to making live action turtle movies? Well, you know, it's funny, it's, um, um, I tend to be long-winded and I apologize, but it, it, it's funny, right after they finished the third movie, we actually started working on a fourth movie. Um, and what's interesting is we actually introduced, uh, we were working with New Line Cinema, we introduced, uh, we got to introduce a fifth turtle character named Kirby. It was a male turtle character. Um, and we worked on that for, I think, a couple of years. Finally, New Line just said, no, we're not really interested in doing it. And we worked with another company that tries to raise, raise money to do it. Um, and it didn't happen, which, Oddly enough, that's around the time we started working with um, Saban and Fox Kids on the Turtles live-action TV series. So originally, in the live-action TV series, there was going to be a fifth turtle named Kirby, and it was going to be a male turtle. 
the last minute Margaret Lesh is the one that changed it. She said, I want a girl turtle. So Kirby became Venus. Um, and so that was our live action movie that, that became a TV series. But no, it was always, um, throughout each of these, you know, the comic book, the cartoon show, the movies, anything we did, we never thought, you know, you never think there's gonna be another one. You said you hope that the fans will be receptive and if they like it enough, you know, maybe there'll be another one. But I didn't think there'd be another Mother Turtles live action movie. And when we started working on actually before the um, movie that came out, what was it, 2014, two years ago? The Michael Bay movie, yeah. Anyway, it was called the Michael Bay movie, but Jonathan Leaves was the director. <laughs> but I worked, worked on that movie for four years prior to um, uh, Jonathan Lee's been a platinum dude and Michael Bay taking over the project. And the original screenplay was written by John Fusco, um, who wrote um, Young Guns and some other things. He wrote probably the best turtle story I ever read, um, which never made it to the big screen. Um, Michael Bay and his company took over the property project. And all my meetings with Jonathan was, you know, his, his main mission and main goal is to make the best turtle movie ever. Um, sometimes when you work in the studio system, that's not always possible. He, poured his heart and his soul in two years of his life to doing it. And there's some parts of that movie I really like, some parts I don't like as much. Um, but I think that um, it was a great effort and you know, fans turned out enough to give us a chance to do the one that's coming out you know, this year in a couple months. And I think David, uh, like I mentioned earlier, has done uh, something that's a little bit more truer to the characters that you're, you're more used to seeing. Even in you know the Michael Bay movie, it was, you know, the heart, soul of the characters, they have the antics, the comedy, the pizza, the action, all that kind of stuff, but there were just, you know, certain moments that were just like, whoops, um, but there were other moments that were pretty cool, so. But yeah, it's neat to see it. Um, yeah, the fact that we even get to make another live action movie. So. But actually, my favorite, you ever see Turtles Forever? Oh, yeah, I was gonna bring that up in life round. <laughs> yeah. yes. That was like, it was an that, animated movie. That was, that was a good homage to every generation of turtles. Yeah, you know, when they poor kids pitched the idea, it was one of the last things that they did before Viacom bought the turtles, and it was like, you know, the idea that they take the 2000 turtles, which are edgier turtles, meet the 80s turtles, which are the, the more comedic turtles, meet the black and white turtles, and this story that <laughs> comes back, that was just, when they pitched the idea, I was like, that's gonna either be the, the most awful thing ever, or it's gonna be an absolute genius, and, and I thought it was quite genius. They did a great job. What was your inspiration for characters such as Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady? Like, where did you come up with that? Uh... Shredder is my favorite story. Um, as Pete and I were working on the um, uh, uh, the origin story for the for the first comic book, we lived in a, a little house, and uh, uh, Pete and his wife had rented this house in Dover, New Hampshire, and I rented a room from them. And Janine was a fantastic cook, and she would cook dinner, and it was Pete and I's job to do the dishes. He would wash, and, and I was drying. And when I when I was drying. Uh, she had a, you know, one of those triangular metal cheese graters. Um, I was actually drying it and I sort of put my hand inside, drying the inside, and I sort of slid it on and had all the grates sort of sticking on this. I said, man, could you imagine if there was a bad guy that had these on his arms? He would like literally shred your skin off. And I said, yeah, we could call him like the grater or something. And Pete said, well, how about the shredder? And so shredders <laughs> so much cooler than the grater. But the shredder, that's, that, that's where, where it came from. Um, the, the, you know, other turtle characters, um, Turtles themselves were usually based on uh, friends that we knew. I mean, Donatello, I really based on, when I write Donatello, I think of Pete Laird, because he's the first guy that got a, you know, one of those Commodore 64 computers and a Casio calculator watch, and he was the techno guy. Uh, Steve Levine was a lettering colorist who worked for Mirage Studios. He was my model. I, grew up, I went with the high school with him. He was like our high school's Robin Williams. Um, 
kind of character, and so I based Michelangelo on him. Um, Casey Jones, when I came up with him as an idea, uh, came up with the, the, basically the outfit, the mask, and the and the bats. And Pete added the uh, uh, the golf bag, which helped bring him together. And I think a year or so later, I saw a movie called Big Trouble in Little China. And you know, every time I write and do anything with Casey, I always think, what would Jack Burton do? Um, so Jack Burton is my model for Casey. Um, Bebop and Rockstar came uh, early on, even before the cartoon shows and that stuff. We the ideas of characters like Bebop and Rock City. We did a role-playing game for Palladium Books, um, which was creating a lot of different mutants and mutant characters that the Turtles could fight in a role-playing game. And we had a giant warthog and a giant rhinoceros um, there. And as we developed the cartoon show with the Shredder, we wanted henchmen for the Shredder, so we sort of pulled from a resource the game and brought you know, Bebop and Rock City to the cartoon show, which is gonna be so cool. I've seen a bunch of footage from uh, the, um, Bebop and Rocksteady scenes in the new movie, and I think people are gonna dig it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We have, you know, most of the work I do, you know, I do some consulting on the movies, much less on the second movie. I do a bunch of consulting on the, on the Nickelodeon animated show. I actually wrote an episode for the next season. Uh, most of the work I do is on the IDW comic series with the incredible head writer Tom Waltz, who's uh, fantastic to work with in every way. And, and what's so great is we get to pick characters like Bebop and Rocksteady, and, Everything from, you know, Krang and the neutrinos and characters from some of the animated stuff, Leatherhead, some stuff, the original comic books, and sort of put it into this IDW universe and put our own kind of spin on them. And I love, you know, the beer drinking, sort of hell-raising, crazy Bebop and Rocksteady version that we have in the, in the IDW comics. So, so yeah, with a, you know, you're working in a, under a concept like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it really, you know, you have to stay true to it, but it leaves the door of possibilities pretty I'm from Jersey, so I probably know where the, what the answer is going to be to this, but why New York? Why the sewers? You know, that's, it, that's so great. It's a good question because it is, it is, you know, uh, I always, I'm laughing because um, you, when we did the first issue, actually the first couple issues of the Turtles, um, we were sitting down, we were doing this interview, um, and, and this, this person was saying, well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you guys must be, must be black belts, right? And we're like, well, being a black belt means I've watched every Bruce Lee movie, Kung Fu cartoon, David Carradine, uh, Kevin Kung Fu TV series, um, martial arts movies, then I guess that makes me a black belt. And I said, what's, and then she said, why New York? I said, I don't know, I guess every superhero lives there. And I'd never been to New York at the time. So my version of New York was, was I'd flip through Fantastic Four comics or Marvel comics, <laughs> or Frank Miller, New York, um, which would change someone when I finally went there. But it's always seemed like, um, Know, whether it's Metropolis or Gotham or New York, or it always seems like the, the every superhero story seems to take place in a city like that, and, and all the things that it, it offered for story ideas and plot lines. Um, and what's interesting is by the time we got to Turtles, the Leonardo one shot, which led into Turtles uh, 10 and 11, we actually moved them out of New York up to Massachusetts, uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, which was where we lived at the time. And we kept them there for a while and told stories right from our own backyard because it's like we relate to those better and it gave us a different different place. But yeah, New York seemed to be where all the superheroes live. And we, you know, when even growing up we always had this vision of, you know, Marvel Comics or DC Comics had this, you know, office building where all the artists went to work there and they had the drawing boards, which wasn't the case, but you just imagine like New York, that's where the comic artists live, that's where the superheroes live, and that's where we wanted to be someday. So 
Good story ideas. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm wondering what your creative process is like, because I know you're working on something now, Lost, Los Angeles. Yes. So when you have an idea like that, just what's your what's your process like and your drawing board, what kind of music is on, how do you overcome writing, writer's block, Man. all that stuff? Great, great. No, it's a really good question, and it's actually, um, the process is interesting. It comes from, you know, ideas come from, from everywhere. And to me, it's, I think we're all sort of pop culture, whether it's be stuff we see online, stuff that we see in movies, comic books we've read, um, TV shows, and and I think you know some. Of, I feel like I have too many ideas sometimes. That the first thing when I start coming up with an idea and tapping into something that really interests me, uh, that I can tell an interesting story with with interesting characters and interesting settings, the first thing I worry about is somebody else already done something similar, done something already before, and it's like then I'll start doing some research, and then if I find something that's kind of similar, I'll sort of redirect it a little bit this way and that way. Try to make it as original as you can. I mean. You know, the inspiration for the Turtles was, you know, X-Men, New Mutants, Cerebus, um, Commandy, you know, there was so many, you know, you know, the Turtles' origin, it's basically Daredevil's origin, continued, <laughs> um, kind of thing. Um, but it's, a lot of it starts with a, a sketchbook, and I'll start making notes, and I have a, a stack of them, I probably got 10 or 15, and even Los Angeles was um, uh, based on the Warriors, I love the, you know, Walter Hill Warriors movie. Um, and living in LA, it was like, um, seemed like a great place that you could come up with something that was like the Warriors, it had a bit of a love story and a lot of action, um, uh, but I thought that, you know, if they did it in a post-apocalyptic setting, which is one, I like doing that, so you don't have to draw everything exactly, and you can sort of be more creative. <laughs> Lots of blown up buildings instead of drawing 3,000 <laughs> windows in every scene, uh, buildings. So I started making notes on that for uh, Los Angeles specifically was probably for a couple of years, um, and then around that time I was working a lot with Simon Bisley, and so uh, he'd come over and work for a couple of weeks or a month, um, and I'd just sort of bounce ideas off him, and you know, he'd spit out 1,200 ideas, one of, or two of which were kind of something I could use. So I just kept <laughs> building the foundation, and Los Angeles was a process of, um, I think, uh, eight or nine years to develop, which I'm now drawing. Now it's gonna be 170 pages when it's done. But that's, um, uh, that's like Los Angeles. Fistful of Blood is a project that I have out now, which was um, something I wanted to do with Simon as well, which grew up a fan of uh, Clint Eastwood, Fistful of Dollars, you know, the Bad and the Ugly, a few dollars more. Um, always loved zombies and vampires long before they became all the rage. I think I did a book called Zombie War like 15 years ago uh, before they became popular. I always loved them from Night of the Living Dead. And I was pitching Simon, I said, just do something crazy, he wanted to do a story in all pencil. I said, well, maybe it's kind of a Western thing, but it's that contemporary, and what if there's kind of like um, Fistful of Dollars, which was based on Yojimbo, a Japanese movie. It was like, you have one gang of bad guys on one side of the town, zombies, another gang of bad guys on the other side of the town, vampires. Then you have this lone um, uh, drifter, sort of assassin with no name, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood in Fistful of Dollars. In our case, it's a it's a female bounty hunter from out of space, <laughs> and we just wanted to do something completely. We actually that was designed for heavy metal, so we did it just completely mental. But that was sort of the basis um, for that. And even another one of my favorite, and Nickelodeon refuses to reprint it right now. Is uh, Simon and I did a comic book called uh, Body Count. I don't know if you ever seen it. It was like, um, and uh, Simon was visiting many years ago, and we'd finished Melting Pot and some other things, and. We wanted to work on a turtle story together, and around this time, John Woo had become hugely popular. 
Um, I was, I love it. I was like, John Woo, you know, bullet in the head, John Woo, kill this, this. And Grizzly was like, well, who the fuck is John Woo? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so I showed him the movies, and he's like, oh, dude, we have to do the longest running gunfight in comics. Um, and I said, all right, so 96 pages, and let's use Casey and Raphael as sort of the main thing. So that was, you know, that was the seed to the idea for Body Count, was, you know, John Woo movie. So again, you pull from, you know, lots of different things and lots of pop culture things. I mean, I consume, I watch anime, I watch cartoons, I read manga, I read European comic books, um, consume everything, and it's like sparks and threads and things that you sort of pull and be inspired and then try to make it into something original, but it's, it's a process. I think I've got probably um, five or six other projects after Los Angeles that I'd like to do that I've been developing for years. And again, stacks of notebooks, stacks of notes, stacks of I think we can definitely go around one more time. Is that cool? Awesome. Yes, sir, we are. So hopefully this has put you on the spot too much, but I'm curious. A lot of turtle video games over the years. Do you have a favorite and a least favorite? <laughs> um, man, it's a, you know, it's funny. I always laugh because uh, uh, in, in that um, the first turtle video game came out. Um, the, the, was it the Turtles? Um, was it the first Nintendo version? Um, people would come up and they'd be like, be angry with me. <laughs> Why did you make this game so hard? I can't get past the water level or something. You know? <laughs> and, you know, we, when we started down, you know, Peter was more familiar. He was our Donatello. He was more familiar. I understood the process and, you know, I played, you know, Space Invaders and Centipede and things like that. And, um, and you know, um, so watching this, working with the, with, with the Nintendo and developing the game was fascinating to me because it was like, this is how it works, this is how the pieces put together, and this is how you play. And I tried to, tried to play it a bunch of times, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the patience. And it's finally, I was like, you know, even now, it's like our son is nine, he plays a, a lot of video games, but I just don't have the patience. I'd rather be drawing or doing, <laughs> doing something else. But no, I, I've, I've always asked um, people that do play them, like, what's your favorite? Why did you like it? And then they go, oh, in that first game, I hated it. Because you know, back in those, because you, you couldn't save your things, right? It was like you had to start at the beginning every single time. And, Occasionally, somebody would come and go, like, I actually made it all the way through. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> but no, they're, they're fun. My favorite was um, the uh, the four-player one that they did. The arcade one? The arcade yeah, yeah. That was, like, fun. Yeah, it was so cool because you played with all your mates. And, and uh, I thought that was, that was really fun. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so <coughs> uh, I just turned 31 uh, this month. That's great. And Turtles, <laughs> uh, Ninja Turtles have been kicking me up pretty much my favorite thing next to Marvel, you know, mm -hmm. growing up. And uh, so, uh, you know, pizza is my favorite food because of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and when I was younger, I would all, my friends and I would always, you know, pick our favorite turtles. This is just a simple question. Oh, so, no, so, I love that, it's cool. What Ninja Turtle represents you? I mean, I always mm -hmm. did Donatello because I was always the smart, nerdy one who always mm -hmm. the techie as well when I was younger. Always put the computers together when, you know, they were low tech. <laughs> now, higher tech now, but sure. um, what uh, turtle represents you? Well, it's, it's a good question. That's, it's funny because I always ask fans that when they come up. It's like if they, you know, um, always ask, you know, who's, and it really it's, it's tells a lot about a person when you say, you know, what's your, who's your favorite, you know, your favorite turtle and why? Um, like you explained it, it's, and it's cool that how they've identified with that um, character. Um, you know, to me, it's like, you know, with the four turtles, it's like uh, trying to choose a favorite child is very hard to do. Um, at the same time, like uh, Michelangelo was, even though he wasn't named Michelangelo at the time, um, the first turtle drawn was, you know, the mask and the nunchuck. So I always been kind of partial to Michelangelo. 
because uh, he was the first one drawn, but um, I always gravitate when I'm doing these stories. And each story, each turtle personality lends itself to a specific kind of story, which is fun. But I always gravitate to uh, Raphael uh, to tell stories with, um, and as often as I can, team him up with Casey Jones, because they're like two kind of goofball brothers that, you know, when they're not beating each other up, they're beating up bad guys or doing something. And Raphael, what, because, you know, Donatello is a specific style of character, and you can do a uh, kind of a specific style of story that he fits best with, same with Leonardo and Michelangelo, but Raphael, because he's kind of the wild card, he can, I feel like you can take him more places and push him to, you know, darker depths or deeper issues than you can in some of the other turtles, so I tend to, to lean towards, towards him as a, uh, as a favorite vehicle to tell stories. But, uh, so I'd say Raphael would be my favorite. Nice. <laughs> I thought they did a good representation in the first movie of how yeah. conflicted Raphael was. Yes. Well, always, you know, when Pete and I would you know, have these brainstorming sessions, especially in the early days, it's like, you know, he'd be sitting down, you know, it'd be like Donatello, like, you know, sort of talking about this thing, and I'd be sort of pacing around the room and say, what about this? So I always had, like, a lot of, you know, passion and energy, and then be like, this, this, and this, and even they think that's why most all the early books that Pete and I did together, um, I would do all the uh, final layouts, Pacing that kind of stuff because I felt the energy I could put into a panel, uh, you know, inspired by Jack Kirby, was you know, that energy came came across. So I related to that the most. All right, thank you. Thanks. Yes, sir. Uh, two quick ones. Just the first one. What did you think of uh, Shredder's most recent design in the last movie? Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, um, where do you see the turtles going in the next five to ten years? Man, uh, you know, Shredder's design in in the most recent movie was. Um, it just, it's one of those, it's not the direction I would have gone in. Um, it seemed more like Transformer-like. And you know, I like you know, some of the stuff that they did, you know, shooting the blades out and doing stuff, and there was some interesting bits, bits to it, but I, I would have definitely drifted sort of something much more traditional and more authentic and more, you know. Uh, I think that's, you know, low-tech in a high-tech world. Um, I, I think uh, this is an interesting, um, a more interesting concept. You know, the fact that I mean, I sort of love like Frank Miller's Daredevil. That's why even like the foot ninja in the new movie, it's like, you know, I know it's like machine guns and all that kind of stuff is what's contemporary for, for those kinds of characters, but I think it would have been cooler if they still, you know, had swords and throwing, you know, that and being able to take out guys with machine guns, I think yeah. that's much more cooler. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're talking to sometimes studio executives that, one of, the, one of the guys I met with had, had never seen most of the Turtle comic books or Turtle TV stuff, and he's been telling you ideas of what things he thinks the fans want to see in the comic in, in the movie. And you're like, really, dude? <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, I think that, that I would have like I would have taken it in a different direction. There was some interesting parts, but it seemed almost a little Transformer-like. And, and there was again, there were some scenes in that movie like that that whole ending where they holding onto that thing, falling what 50 stories off a building. They're all fine at the bottom. I was like, uh, <laughs> well, I can think, you know, so I remember watching um, when there's a movie called Speed came out. Um, and I liked the movie. It was actually started great, had a great plot, and had some really neat stuff in it until the bus jumped the 50 foot gap on the freeway. <laughs> and I'm like, you just ruined the fucking movie. The whole movie was ruined by that, <laughs> that one thing. And then even the Turtles, and that's what I look at the, the last Turtle movie, there were moments that were really great in there, but then they would do something and you just go, you just took me out of it, and it now doesn't work as a, as a film anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know where they go from here. It's it's honestly it's it's.
it's um, it's up to you guys. Really, it's up to the fans. It's like you know, I mean, we just finished issue 50 of the Turtles. I think issue 54 is coming out. Um, the fact that you know it's been five years of doing the comic book and you guys are still buying it. It's I think IDW's second best-selling comic ongoing comic series. Well, that's your fault again. Fans <laughs> buying it and they're enjoying it, so we're able to do some really fun stuff. The cartoon series is still you know very popular and, and, and getting great ratings and. You know, and I sit with the guys up there and, and we're brainstorming. It's sort of like, you know, they're great because it's, there's still so many ideas and stories and things we'd like to do in places. You know, right now it's the whole Triceraton invasion and, and the stuff we're doing with that now still pulling from some of the original sources. And as long as you guys keep watching it, then, then we'll keep doing it. So, so that's yeah. it. Every year we kind of carry on. It's a blessing. Yes, sir. Um, just wanted to kind of know what your motivation is for creating. Um, do you do it for yourself? Do you do it for other people, your fans? And has that changed over the years from when you started to maybe now and maybe looking forward to the future? It's always, you know, selfishly, I'm, you know, I'm as big or probably a big geek than anybody sitting in this room and that, you know, I still go to the comic store, you know, if not every week, every other week. It's still, you know, movies and the inspiration and, and the things that, you know, so a lot of the ideas that I, I have um, uh, are stuff that I would be like, Stuff that I actually like to do as uh, as a comic or a story or something I creatively find like you know, like man that'd be cool and this is what excites me and then um, and then you can only hope that that you know if you put it out there you know fans will either like it or they won't but either way you've you know satisfied yourself yourself first so that's that's really the motivation I you know write stuff that that um, I enjoy and then uh, hopefully it isn't too stupid <laughs> so I've done some actually I did this story. Which I'm, gonna, I'm reworking now. I did this story uh, eight years ago, um, and uh, when it comes out, it'll be called Ronin Blues. When I rework it, probably in a year or two. But I did uh, 254 pages, uh, wrote it, laid it out, penciled all the pages, um, inked about 140 of them, um, and then kind of started realizing like that it sucks. <laughs> like seriously, it's like oh my god, this. You know, the more I look at it, I go, this just sucks. Not only does it suck, it really fucking sucks. <laughs> um, so I literally put it all in the box and I put it away. <laughs> and like five years later, um, actually when we moved to San Diego, I dug it out and uh, was going through it. And it's like, well, it doesn't completely suck as much as I thought it sucked. And I thought it sucked enough to throw it away, or put it away. Um, so I started going through and reworking it and, and pulling some stuff I liked about it, getting rid of some other stuff. And it, and it, and it you know, uh, if it sees the light of day, you can tell me if it, Sucks about <laughs> but it's a, it's always a process, and you know the worst thing with most artists, you meet, we're our own worst critic. So it's like, you know, every to me, it's like, you know, most of my covers, even today, it's like I love doing them, um, but it's a bore. It's either at the end, it's either I'm gonna either send this in, it's gonna be printed as a cover, or I'm gonna throw it away and start over because it's like, oh, you see the mistakes you make, and, you know, you see them, and you know, the fans, you know, people that's coming in for the first time, they go, wow, that's great, and you go, yeah, what, that guy's arm's too long, that's weird. <laughs> That's all fucked up over there, and they don't see any of that. It's like you're just tearing yourself apart for, for nothing. So, so yeah. Thank you. Keep sure to yourself creatively and hope for the best. Yes, ma'am. So, what was the particular reason for choosing those names? And is there a significance behind the color of their eye mask? Sure, that's great. It's um, you know, when we uh, <laughs> putting into the or putting together the origin story, um, you know, to us. Um, we were just thought in traditional Asian names would have been perfect because you know the influences, the 
the Asian influences and the, and the, and the characters, but it's like you're talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so you know that's not that's not stupid enough or silly enough. You know, Doug, Bob, Steve, still not quite funny enough. And I grew up as a huge fan of history, especially art history. Um, and actually, the one of the I do the slideshow when I do my panels. Um, one of the things I show is this mural I did in high school, and I graduated in 1980, and it was my tribute to Leonardo da Vinci. Um, so I just blurted out to Pete. I said, "What if you, you know you go to the furthest extreme and name them after like Renaissance artists, like Leonardo and Michelangelo and Raphael?" And Pete just about peed his pants, um, <laughs> laughing. He said, "That's perfect. That's let's let's do that." And, and that stuck. In fact, um, Donatello, who was um, it was almost named Bernini because I like Bernini as a sculptor much better than <laughs> Donatello. But Pete was sort of like, well, you know, Michael, Leonardo, Michelangelo, like this whole thing. I think it was either a coin toss or something, but Donatello was almost named Bernini. <laughs> but when we did a, and then when a, um, we did the first color issue of the Turtles, um, uh, I did the painting for it, and I painted all the bandanas red, what we used to see in the comic books in uh, black and white. So color really didn't matter that much. Uh, we knew who they were by their weapons and their personalities and stuff, so we, we did all the bandanas red. And uh, we signing at 10? Uh, Gordy told me to uh, say that we're probably not gonna start till like 10.15. Even better, no. Good. So we get, I'll wrap up here. What's that? Yeah, I'll wrap up here at 10, and then give me a few minutes to use the restaurant, and then head over there. No, you can't use that. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> pee in the corner. Right <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guy. Um, so we uh, we knew who they were and red bananas and when we sat down the first time for the animation with the animators and the toy company and they said well you know how do you tell them apart and we said the weapons duh and, uh, <laughs> uh, they said no it'd be great if we came up with something that made them a little bit more distinctive um, and Pete said you know what about different colored bandanas um, they loved that and, and and the colors you know orange Michelangelo silly kind of color Donatello sort of our techno monk-like character, purple, very peaceful, uh, Leonardo blue, sort of a royal color leader type, uh, and Raphael we kept as the original red, sort of raging, our Wolverine character, so. It was, that was, was the development of the animated stuff that we changed the, the bandana colors. Awesome. With, you know, with, some, with some thought behind it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Um, do you have like a turtles room at your house, like like a room that's full of turtles merchandise or memorabilia? Yeah, actually, it's it, it's it was one of those things that actually um, um, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I did a uh, I worked with IDW for the last five years, and we opened up a gallery in uh, San Diego Comic Con Gallery uh, in, down in San Diego. And part of that exhibit is um, actually my studio was there, and it's like a room about you know quarter the size of one of these things and it's just filled to the brim with not only every turtle thing I've saved or, or had over the years, but my personal collection and you know, drawings from my son and a, a velvet Elvis somebody gave me that I love. Uh, you know, uh, art collectibles, you know, just figurines and tchotchkes and, and things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of turtle stuff uh, there. And around our house, it's like, my wife was actually thrilled that, <clears throat> that the studio set up down there because then our home studio <laughs> is actually just a few cool pieces that we really like and she doesn't you know have to dust or help dust around <laughs> 15,000 turtle figurines and um, stuff but yeah for the early years all the way through to even some of the more recent stuff I always try to keep at least one of every turtle thing made which is retarded it's <laughs> 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 too much stuff uh, yes, sir. In the issue 44 of the IDW, when 
did you expect the reaction when everyone thought that Donald Tell had actually been killed? Did no. you expect that reaction from everybody? No, that was, you know, because we'd already, you know, we, that's what's so great, um, you know, in working with Tom and, and some of the artists is that, you know, they, we want to tell, and we, we, same thing when we sit down with brainstorming sessions, we write stories that like, yeah, this, we like rewrite stuff that we want to read because we think it would be cool. And, you know, we'd already gone through dark, the whole Dark Leo thing where, you know, Shredder brainwashes Leonardo thinking he's his son. And, and we, you know, we actually were wondering, what, you know, there was some good reaction to that. Um, but with, you know, the Donatello thing, I think is, um, A nicer character of the turtles, and a lot of fans really love him. And we did it, you know. It was, you know, we feel like he's almost said like the internet killed Donatello. We didn't really kill him, <laughs> but you know, in a, telling a good story, you want to leave that cliffhanger. You want to leave that stuff that people go like, oh shit. And then, you know, for as soon as the issue hit the stands, you know, there was already we'd already solicited future issues. So that all the comic store guys knew that Donatello <laughs> comes back like the next issue, and so on and so on. They knew what the plot line was, but the fans were like, you know. I, I did signing something for the rest of the year. People come up with issue 44, and it's like, man, I'm sorry to feel, you know, uh, I don't know why you killed Donatello because we're not a favorite. I'm like, there's been two issues out since issue 44. He's not dead, you know that, right? And he goes, he isn't? But no, that, was, that reaction was huge. And, and, but that's, the, again, that's the kind of stuff you want to tell in a story that, you know, and that's what um, uh, all of us take as a, as a pretty huge compliment is that it had that effect that people are reading it. And they, really care about the characters and God would never kill Donatello but if we you know it's like you know watch TV series you know we watch and just, you know and like you know Walking Dead you know it's like is Glenn dead no well, you know what I mean it's like mm -hmm. but you want to go there and you want to bring them in and, 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 and tell a good story so that's uh, pretty pretty cool yeah. we got some really we've, we've basically mapped out stories all the way through issue 100 so and that's nice. really awesome stuff coming up so as long as you guys keep buying it that's <laughs> Sorry. I was actually going to ask about the name origins, so <laughs> should get into it. Actually, yeah, the, the, that was that. You know that um, you know the Daredevil tie-in for the origin story. It's like um, when we were coming up with the origin story of um, Turtles. It's uh, I was a huge fan of Daredevil, and you know, in Daredevil's origin, uh, young Matt Murdock um, jumps out to save this blind man crossing the street while this truck's barreling down the street filled with radioactive waste. Truck slams on the brakes. Uh, radioactive canister comes loose and hits young Matt Murdock near the eyes um, and blinds him and then enhances his senses. That's how Gator was born. Well, to me, they never tell, told what happened to that canister after it hit Matt Murdock. So in the Turtles' origin, it's the same story, but we have the canister continue bouncing down the street and this poor boy standing above a sewer hole creating with a terrarium with four turtles in it. Canister smashes <laughs> the terrarium and they all fall into the sewer where there's a rat down there and are all exposed to and then Splinter, uh, Daredevil's mentor, was named Stick. Like Splinter. <laughs> and Daredevil, Frank Miller, does design the hand, the evil ninja or ninjas that they were dealing with. We have a foot. So, um, so there was lots of, you know, and that was just one terminal of me. So we pulled lots of things we liked about have, have they ever done a team up before? Daredevil and the Teenage Mutant You know, I'd love it. It's like, you know, I met, the first time I met Stan Lee and, and we were talking about something and somebody brought up that origin thing. He, he was like, yeah, I was gonna sue you guys. <laughs> but I didn't, and I should, I don't know. And like, but uh, I think Marvel probably wouldn't let us do it. <laughs> I was thrilled that they did, you know, uh, you know, I used to do turtle drawings at conventions of turtles in uh, Iron Man costumes and dressed up as Captain America and, and turtles, bat turtles, that was always a favorite. And the fact that now we're doing this 
Turtles Batman crossover, which has been really well received. Freddie Williams, who's the artist, is just fantastic, and, and it's 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 a really fun story, and it's got some really great stuff in it. So uh, I can do our Turtles Batman covers, which is really delicious. Yes, sir. Well, I got like two questions from like a thirty-year-old, mid-thirties. No, it's good. I think that probably takes it in. If you guys want to take any pictures and stuff like that too, so we can. The older you get, is it harder to maintain like the teenage part of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And then my second question is, when you're not at a con and just out with your wife or whatever, and she introduces you to friends, are you a turtle guy? And then there just are some people like, what's that mean? And then are other people like, oh my god. <laughs> well, it's it's so weird. Um, you know, it's been an ongoing thing. Well, the um, what was the first question again? The older you get, oh yes, is it harder to keep <laughs> turtles teenage? Thanks. You know, because I was, uh, um, you know, that's. Well, yes, and, and you know, and funny. Even uh, I think around the time that Pete and I did uh, issue, um, I think eleven or eleven, we'd actually come up with a story that was um, we called it the, the the final turtle story. It was like going to be a, a hundred page graphic novel, which was turtles. <clears throat> Where were they fifty years from from then? Um, and you know, even in those days, you know, after we did the first issue, we said we're not going to be one of those guys that once you kill the main bad guy, uh, the main nemesis, we're never going to bring the shark back. For eternity, you know, and even in the teenager aspect, it's like you know, Spider Man's been a teenager forever, and there's this sort of aspects of that that just you can't get past because that's what people remember and that's what they love. So, um, thankfully, there's a lot of the younger, uh, you know, people I, I work with, you know, Tom, uh, Tom Waltz, and I think he's just about 40, and Cyril's, I think, mid 30s, heading towards 40. All these guys grew up on the turtles, so they bring. You know, I'm 53, so they bring like a younger energy, and, and so you can still sort of keep that aspect. And it'd be fun to see, uh, you know, older turtle stories, but you know, it's like it is hard to maintain it. So it's just, but you know, having a 10-year-old son also gives you, you know, an interesting perspective. And then I get to come hang out at these conventions with lots of young-minded fans. Um, and uh, God, what was the second question again? Uh, when you're out with yeah, your, uh, <laughs> let me adjust my dependence. <laughs> wife, and oh. it's not a con. You're not at a comic book store. You're just yeah, most you get together for a card night or something like that, and you're introduced. Mm -hmm. Hey, what do you do? It, do you depends on the it, yeah. No, that's crazy. It actually depends on the situation, and, and it's because it's you know if, if if it's you know like when we uh, moved into the neighborhood we live now, where we live in San Diego for four years, it's like you know. Um, we sort of meet people, and it's like you know, it, it would be like, well, you know, what do you do? And like, well, I'm an artist. And I, I draw cartoons and comic books. And like, that's cool, and that's usually where the conversation ends. Um, and you know, certain I've been in certain situations where you know you don't want to open the door to the conversation. They say, well, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm an accountant. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, like where we, you know, then uh, you know, and I remember uh, getting really with this neighbor. She, Somebody asked, uh, Shane was telling one of the neighborhood kids he was playing, he was like, my dad created the turtles, and he draws turtles, and they were like, no, he doesn't believe them. <laughs> um, but once people, you know, so it's, most people know the turtles, uh, you know, it's not like a TV personality, that kind of thing, their, their faces, their, their trademark, their, their, their um, profession, but the turtles, most people know the turtles, and half the time, I've been in, in shows where people, you know, don't even know, understand that comics are physically drawn, it's sort of stamped out in a factory somewhere. It's like no, they say they like you go to the gallery, you go to stuff, and and, uh, and they say so you draw these. It's like yes, I sit there and I draw every single panel. Really? Yes. And then somebody colors them and then they print them. So like she's like, you know, you write these and draw these, and then they can, they don't understand that, that that whole process. 
But then it's like, um, we have the weirdest um, times where we really get recognized. Um, but I remember going to Bed Bath & Beyond and we were paying with a credit card and this gentleman behind the counter just like two, took two steps back and was like, you're not like the turtle guy, are you? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty rare. But, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't happen that often. Usually it's like a comic convention or something like that. But it's, um, the only time I've actually used it, I'm not one that we got to keep a low profile on it. The only time I've ever used it like um, to our advantage is uh, going through uh, customs somewhere. Like going from, and then they're like, you know, because you know we're going somewhere, and it's like there's this huge line, and, and you know, they see tattoos, and they see, you know, me, and you know, I'm usually dressed like a bum, and, uh, and like, and they're like, oh, what did you, what's your purpose you visit? And it's like, I created the turtles, and they're like, no shit, come on, right through. Um, your second form of ID is But no, it's uh, it's it's an interesting thing. I think that you know, I think I'm lucky. In the, so many ways that you know that I don't get recognized that um, much. It's kind of nice. I like to be. We, it's, you know, even like like we, you know, my wife score keeps for Shane's baseball team. We, you know, we, you know, we do lots of family stuff and school stuff and church stuff and we do stuff. And just sort of like we're happy just to be part of the neighborhood. <laughs> okay, I think that's ten o'clock. So if any of you one last or something missed that wasn't answered, if you want to ask one last question, anybody you did or you want to take some pictures, and, and then if there's some, uh, I usually I do this slideshow um, as part of my panel. If you were on, some pictures and some other background stuff I want to walk through, and some more information as I do a project. If you guys want to pop by and see that, and I think we're doing one today. So. I want to thank Kevin Eastman and everyone at the Amazing Arizona Comic Con for doing this and letting us have the opportunity to be a part of something like this. So, yeah, with that being said, I want to say have a great week, everybody. Happy Monday, and we will see you on Wednesday with another episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. <laughs>